So this morning we are going to be preaching from Proverbs chapter 4, and I'd like to read our text to us and then jump straight in. So Proverbs 4 says, Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the left or to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And uh, what the writer of the Proverbs Solomon, Solomon is saying here, he starts off by saying, ponder the path of your feet. And one of the things we haven't spoken about in wisdom up to this point, and the big focus of today is I'd like to talk to us today about how wisdom comes from thoughtfulness and from meditation, from being still and from solitude. I think these are one of the things that can get lost when we think about it, especially we've entitled this the adventure of a lifetime. And sometimes when we think of adventure, we just think, go, 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 go. But I know for Cindy and I, in our journey, as we've, as we've gone on the adventures we've been on, one of the things we used to do every year is go to a little game reserve in northern KZN called Mkuzi Game Reserve. And in Mkuzi, there's a, a very famous hide um, called Kumasinga Hide. And what we would do is we'd take a day, we'd go there for a couple of weeks with my parents, and Cindy and I would take a day and just go sit at Kumasinga Hide for like the whole day and just be still. Just be quiet. Got a notepad, some pens, some lunch. And just be quiet and sit there and just soak in the environment of what's going on. And it's amazing how much more we saw during the course of that day compared to the days where we were just racing from place to place, you know, looking for lions or looking for leopards. or, But just being able to sit in one place and be able to appreciate and enjoy. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about that to us today. Because I do think we live in a world today that considers silence to be quite terrifying. You know, there's nothing worse than that awkward silence. I mean, we're on Zoom calls at the moment, right? I don't know if you've been on a Zoom call. Everyone talks over each other, and then everyone goes quiet, and then it's awkward, like, who talks? And then one person talks, and then everyone. If no one's saying anything, it just gets really awkward, and it's like, okay, okay, bye, bye. The, the terror of silence. And the other side is, I think we also can feel quite exposed when we're alone. We don't like to be left alone with our thoughts because in the, the middle of all the busyness, the nice thing about busyness is it tends to keep us away from all the stuff that's going on inside of our heads and we can run from a lot of stuff. Um, when we interact with the world around us, we interact at different levels. And so at the, at the first level, the, the way I interact with people is very much at a task level. And that's a nice way to operate with people and to work with the world. You can do that when you're busy. You know when you wake up in the morning and you've got a list of stuff to do. Bah, 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 bah. So I can just run through that. I can be busy. I can do stuff. Go to bed at night. I've got the sense of completion that I've done stuff. But, and I've been able to do that in the middle of the busyness. But it's been quite surface level. Just below that... There's the kind of the sphere of our, our ideas. And sometimes to think creatively or to have fresh ideas, we've got to be a little bit less busy. We've got to be able to take some time back. And the nice thing about being someone who's got a bunch of ideas is I feel like I've contributed. So that's what feeds back into me. And I, but I can also be kind of busy in that rush of things. Like someone says, what about this? I've got an idea for that. I've got an idea for this. But again, it's quite surface level. Underneath that, there's another layer where we begin to talk about or begin to tap into or have to face up to our desires, where I have to be honest about what I really want. And I think what happens when we start getting to this sort of place of, of honesty or having to face within ourselves, that can be tricky because it's oftentimes there that we realize this is not a quick fix. The nice thing about a task is I can see the problem, execute the task, off I go. The thing about ideas is I've got this idea, can I do it, can't I do it, yes, off I go. When I, what do I really want? 
sometimes that's a little bit harder. Now it takes some time and I've got to actually sit and think, what do I really want in this situation? Um, what is the outcome that I'm looking for? And it requires even less busyness. Then even below that, there's the, the realm of our fears. And that's the one we really, that's why we like busyness, because I don't want to have to face up to my fears. I don't want to face up to the things that I'm afraid of at all. Hopefully, if I just keep busy enough, I don't have to think about the fact that I'm afraid of this, I'm worried about this, I'm concerned about these things. So if I can just keep the treadmill going fast enough, I don't actually have to look these things in the face. But the thing is, until I've been able to face my fears or face the things I'm concerned about, they will always be niggling at the back of my mind and I don't feel strengthened. And then at the lowest level, I think, of the things that we need to process are our motivations. And I think Cindy and I had an amazing conversation this week around this where um, we were working on something together and I'd asked her to um, get hold of a, a bunch of people and because of what we were organizing. And then I had not processed my motivations, but in my heart, I'd thought about what I'd asked her to do and I was worried that it wasn't going to work. The, the way I'd asked her and the timing and all that kind of stuff I'd asked her to get hold of people wasn't going to work. So I went to her and I just changed the plan. And Cindy was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, this was the plan, now that's the plan. Like, what are you... And actually, when we stopped and we sat, and it was a, it was a bit of a conversation. It was like a sort of a half an hour conversation. We sat down, we spoke about it. I realized what I, the issue... I tried to turn it into a task, but the issue was... At my motivation level, I was worried that what we were doing wasn't going to work anymore. But it took time for us to sit and talk that through and work it through. And the reason I'm kind of talking through these, these different layers is because in the busy, busyness of life, so often what happens is we live at the surface level. Just We're talking about tasks and ideas all the time. We just live in this space. But unfortunately, what happens is we never take time to look at our fears. We never take time to look at our desires or our motivations. And so... In busyness, we find the distraction from our fears, our desires, and our thinking, and so that we don't have to face them. And what the unfortunate outcome of that is that in busyness, unfortunately, we all end up looking exactly the same. We look like a bunch of headless chickens, just a bunch of cardboard cutouts, all reflecting one another, because the things that make us unique and different aren't our ideas always, and aren't our ability to get the job done. They're not our tasks. They are our emotions. They are our motivations. That's where the beauty of who we are as people begins to come out because we're able to deal with situations in different ways. And it's what makes us diverse. It's what makes the church diverse. It's when Jesus looks at his church and just sees this beautiful panorama of different giftings, he's not talking about it at a task level. But we like tasks because it feeds us and it makes us feel like we've done something good. Actually, there's a, there's a layer below that. And so... David says this in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So this morning, I'd like to ask you if, and, and ask myself, do I, have I come to terms with the fact that there is a difference between being lonely and being alone? They aren't the same thing. Loneliness is not amazing, but sometimes being alone is incredibly important. And I know that this is specifically or quite relevant right now because, you know, when you're in a measure of lockdown, it's quite difficult to find some space just to be alone and to take a little bit of time. But I think it's incredibly important to be able to take some time to sit alone at Jesus' feet and stare whatever is concerning us or worrying us in the face 
instead of trying to run away from it with busyness. Because we don't end up ever dealing with anything. And the stuff just kind of builds up in the background. To take time to separate when, I, when something happens in my world, to take time to be still and to separate out the truth from the falsehood. What is real and what's not real. To take time to go to God and say, God, show me the difference. Show me what's going on here. Rather than just reacting. In Proverbs 29, 11, it says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So he takes time, talking about wisdom here, just quietly holds it back and takes time to actually look at the situation and what's going on. Learning or looking to learn and understand what's going on rather than just to react like I've always reacted to the situation. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in, a, in expressing his own opinion. And isn't that so, isn't that so like apt of today? When I'm operating at a, just at the surface level and I'm busy, 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 and everything's just happening and I'm not taking time to be still, what ends up happening is I'm just, you know, I see a situation, bah, this is what we should do. I see something else, bah, that's what we should do. And I'm just shooting from the hip the whole time. And actually what ends up happening is I don't ever learn anything from the situations I'm going through. I'm just operating purely from like impulse. I'm operating purely from what I've seen before. And there's no wisdom in any of it. And Proverbs calls us a fool if we function like that. So Jesus is our great example with this. And I'd like to look at six times where Jesus took a moment to be alone and to be still. Why did Jesus consider this so important? And the reason we look at Jesus is because he is our great example. Right up front, I think it's, it's so important for us to understand this. When we're looking at wisdom, wisdom is... It, in, a, in a sense, it encapsulates the way God has created the earth. It's the way he's created us to be. And when God looks at us as human beings, we have created our own normal, which is r running super fast, um, living under incredible stress. Just because society has made something the norm doesn't mean that God considers that to be the norm as well. That's creating God in society's image. But if we take a pause and we look at what is God like, I think society should rather function as God has intended it to function. That's what wisdom is. Lord, how have you made me to function? And so when we look to Jesus, we begin to see his original intent for us as mankind. How did Jesus live? If you think about the pressure, how would you like to have lived as the son of God? On your, that's, that's, your, that's your thing, right? You're going to save the world, literally save the world. This is more than Iron Man, Superman. You're going to save the world. And Jesus lived with that, yet somehow he wasn't stressed, he wasn't falling apart. He had enough time, he knew what to do, his life was full of purpose. And so Jesus had this, this element of his life where he would withdraw and he would have solitude, he would have peace and meditation. So I'd like to look at these six quick and hopefully be helpful for us. The first time that Jesus would withdraw in Luke chapter 4, after Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan, he goes for 40 days into the, into the wilderness to pray. And that's before he starts his public ministry. And so Jesus models for us that it's good to take some time out and to be still before we, before we prepare for a big task that's coming up ahead of us. I know for myself, when I see a big task coming up, I am like the most, I'm like a, a you know, just so excited. I just want to jump into it. The thought of like, here's the plan. I know what we're going to do. Now pause. Is so hard. Like, why pause? I don't want to pause then. Like, that's the, that's the worst time to pause. 
you know, we've got the motorbike, we're at the starting line, if you're into a MotoGP, we're there, like, wham, 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 okay, can we just take a moment? No, let's not take a moment. Fire the gun and let's haul out of here. That's what I want to do. But Jesus modeled for us that before we have got a big task ahead of us, it's good to take a moment just to be still and to hear what he has to, st- and hear what he has to say. When Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days ahead of his ministry, he'd just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why does he need to pause? Because he needs time with God. It's incredibly important to be still so that he operates. And there's a beautiful text. I was actually going to read it at the end, but I want to read it now quickly to us. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust will be your strength. In repentance and rest you will be saved. And in quietness and in trust will be your strength. And so Jesus drew strength from this being able to just take a moment. And I'm going to talk about rest versus escaping in a moment. But the first thing Jesus did was he would to prepare for a major task. The second time, Jesus would take time off or take time just to re- recharge. In Mark chapter 6, what happens is Jesus sends the disciples out and they go, they go out two by two. And they're casting out demons and healing people. They come back like they like got their hands up like this. They're like, we can do things like it's so amazing even and they're like even the demons submit to us this is so amazing and what jesus says to them is celebrate that your names are written in heaven that's the most important thing and he tells them to rest and friends can i say this that after after we've worked really really hard it is so important for us to take a moment just to be still to recharge after hard work because and and i I mean this is just a, a purely practical thing but Oftentimes, the the surge of adrenaline that we feel after we've achieved a task, we think that's resting us. And so we ride that wave of adrenaline and we just start the next task. And all that's happening is our adrenal glands are just firing over and over again and we're not actually resting. I feel excited, but I'm not resting. And so Jesus paints this picture of um, being able to, uh, of solitude and being able to take time with his father. After I've done a task, you know why it's also so important? I remember one of the great heroes in my life, Ray Oliver. He was a, a, a preacher. And Ray used to say this, that on a Monday after Sunday meetings, so he led quite a big church, and Ray would say that on a Monday, he would go for a walk in the botanical gardens in Peter Maritzburg every Monday. And he said if, this, if he felt the Sunday had gone really bad, what he, what he was able to do was to take the time just to go and walk and hear from God. What, what did God think about the meeting? Because he didn't want to be on a yo-yo of what everyone else thought about how the meeting had gone. He wanted to hear what God had said. He said the amazing thing was there were so many Sundays where he felt things had gone so badly. And he just felt the quiet voice of God saying, well done, my son. And then there were other days where he felt like he'd preached a cracker. The band had been amazing. Everything was awesome. He'd walked out of there like the man. Um, if you knew Ray, he's not really that kind of guy. But that's sort of, you know, the, the picture of it. And he would go for a walk on the Monday and God would say to him, you know what, Ray, you were building your thing. You were playing to the people. You didn't preach the truth. And it's become something quite precious to me as well is oftentimes what happens when I've done well, when I've achieved a big task, I'm congratulating myself. And it's all about me. And if I can take a moment just to be still after I've done something big, like a big task or whatever it is, I can take the moment and go, God, Thank you for what you've done. 
and he receives his glory and I understand that I'm part of his thing because friends this is the unfortunate thing is if if I'm going to take the glory for all the big wins in my life I line them up big win I take the glory big win I take the glory big win I take the glory I'm setting myself up because a big loss is coming and when the big loss happens it's on me then as well and then I hit the wall hard and so to take a moment after to recharge after hard work the third thing is to work through our grief and this is incredibly important that when, we are, when we've been sore, when we've had a big emotional moment in our lives, it's amazing how quickly we just want to run away from it. We just want to bury it. We just want to ignore it. I just want to go be busy. I don't want to actually have to deal with this emotion right now. I just want to. So what happens is we can just, you know, and Cindy and I talk about in our marriage this thing of having a bank account of where with one another of offense and it's very easy for us to build up a bank account of emotion towards each other and eventually what happens is when that thing is full there's no more space for us to carry anything and we begin fighting over the silliest things or conflicting and not just with Cindy and I but with, with all kinds of people it's so important that after a big emotional moment that I'm able to go and be still go before God sit at Jesus feet like I said look him in the face and with Jesus and look at the things that I'm facing and not be afraid and deal with them. Deal with them right there and then in solitude. Um, and number four, quickly, before making an important decision, before Jesus had a big call to make, um, early in his ministry, we see Jesus often in Luke chapter 6 and other places. Jesus would spend the whole night in prayer. Before Jesus ch chose his 12 disciples, he didn't just walk down to the beach, he was like, that guy there looks like, you know, you could swing a sword. It'd be helpful to have him around if there's bandits. That guy there, he's a tax collector. So he's probably got some money. He'd be a great guy to have on the team. You know, and he, Jesus didn't cerebrally, just with his brain, approach the big decisions. But he would take time before God. Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm about to make a big decision. And this is different from a task because, you know, we need to take time before a big task for energy's sake. But before a big decision, because we need clarity. Busyness is the, when we are in the middle of busyness and running our heads off like headless chickens, it is the worst time to make big decisions because we tend to make decisions with an outcome right in front of us here. Instead of being able to scope, instead of being able to be quiet and just take some time and look down the road and look at the implications of my decisions. Number five, in a time of distress, you know, when I'm feeling under pressure, I think I've told the story before. I, I remember once I was, uh, trying to work through something and I couldn't see the wood for the trees and it wasn't because I was being particularly spiritual but I just needed help and I remember walking up and down my office praying saying God help I, I must have prayed God help those two words for like half an hour God help God help it's all I had I had nothing else I couldn't see the way forward through it and it was amazing after about half an hour it was just like Clarity came from God. And I think it was a supernatural moment of God speaking, but it was also me taking time to just work it through. And in the presence of God, being able to find a solution so that I could walk out of there deeply knowing. Because it had dealt with me at a motive level, right? It dealt with me down at my fear level. It wasn't just me at a, business, a busyness level just looking for some, just make it go away for now. The problem with doing something just to make it go away for now is it's going to be waiting there tomorrow morning. It's not actually dealing with the situation. And then the last, number six, the, the, the last time Jesus would take moments away to be still or to, to in thoughtfulness and meditation was to focus on prayer. To focus on prayer. And I think in our times of meditation and, and solitude, it's amazing how prayer takes on a whole nother level of, um, 
of power and profoundness because in that moment what I'm doing is I'm spending a lot more time listening and a whole lot less time talking. I'm spending a whole lot more time thinking than I am about just blabbing stuff out like Proverbs says that I'm like a fool just shooting my mouth off all the time. And as I take time in prayer and I'm and I set aside that time just to be still. And oftentimes in those moments, I'm not saying a lot. Like I said, Jesus begins to speak to me. And amidst all the other voices, it's very difficult to hear the voice of Jesus. And it's incredibly helpful sometimes just to take a moment to just attune to his voice and just hear what he's saying to us in that situation. So if Jesus saw, thought it was important to do this for those six things, let me just quickly list them again to prepare for a major task, to recharge after hard work, to work through grief before making an important decision in a time of distress and to focus on prayer. If Jesus thought it was important to take time out before those things, how much more us? He was the son of God. He had it all together and he had access to all the angels. He had access to everything, yet he knew it was important to take time aside, to go spend time with his father. And I think this is the reason for us why we should. Proverbs 26.11 makes quite an offensive statement. Solomon says, Like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. And this is the thing. If we are always dealing with our world at a surface level, just around tasks and ideas, just at the top here, we never ever change. We want our circumstances to change. And so we look for people to blame. We look for circumstance to blame. We're trying to deal with stuff up here, but we don't change. And so what happens is, because we don't change, right? We keep reproducing the same flaws. We keep tripping over the same issues. And we keep running away from the same giants. Because we're too afraid to look them in the face and actually deal with them. That's what silence and solitude and thoughtfulness and meditation allows us to do. And so one thing that Cindy and I have often spoken about is taking time. That when we look at our, when we look at our day, we realize there's a big difference between escaping and actually recreating, recreation. Escaping is, I'm, my life feels so full, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to fill it with something else to try, try to distract me from this. It's binging on Netflix. It's, binging on Netflix is not restful. It's escaping. There's nothing wrong with escaping sometimes. Like escape. But understand that it doesn't recharge us. It doesn't recharge us at a deep level. Because what we're doing is just trying to run away from this. But the moment I turn the Netflix off, it's still there waiting for me. The same pressures are there. I'm not able to, I haven't actually dealt with the pressures that I'm, I'm working through. And so if I had to ask us the question this morning, what sustains the busyness in my life? What are the things I like to keep spinning so that I don't have to stop and think? That I don't have to work it through? What is creating the noise in my life? It's helpful to take a step back and have a look. Because I think all of a sudden we realize that we actually have a lot more time on our hands than we think. It's just that I don't really want to have that time in solitude because it's scary, like I said at the beginning. Right? I don't want to take time on my own because I don't want to actually have to face up to some of this stuff. I don't want to actually have a look inside and see what's really going on, see my motivations, see the stuff that, I'm, that, I'm, that I'm, I'm, I've got deep down inside me. And the problem is if I never go there and look at those things, I can never allow God to deal with them and I stay the same. Like I was saying, we don't change. 
And so maybe we say stuff like, I can't. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the know-how. <coughs> I'd like to say this to us this morning. We don't have the time not to be thoughtful and meditative. We don't have the time not to take the time. We can't not. Because if we are ever going to change, we need to be in the presence of God. Second Corinthians 3 says that we with unveiled faces, we see God. And we are changed from one degree of glory to the next. That requires being in His presence. And not just this pop in and out, busyness, ticked it, off I go. But taking time in His presence. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when Jesus hung on the cross, it wasn't on a whim that He did it. You know, like, oh, what's the solution to the world's problem? Oh, if I died on the cross, that'd be a great idea. Let's, let's, let's give that a crack. Also, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't because it was just it wasn't just blind obedience to the Father. Okay, you said I must, so okay, fine, I'll do it. And he didn't process it. What we see, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the whole night he's wrestling through with God. He's saying, Oh God, if it's if it if you can take this from me, but not my will, but yours be done. By the time Jesus walks out of the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He's worked through this issue. It has now be, it's, it's worked into his convictions. And so he's, a, he's able to look and say, for the joy set before me, he endures he, he enjoys the cross. Jesus has taken time to work things through. And I think it's incredibly important for us as people to be able to take those moments, just like Jesus did, to be able to work through things. Because too often we respond to something either from, oh, that would just be a good idea at a surface level, or... We just respond in blind obedience to something, not taking the time to process and think things through. And so we end up being someone else's lackey or just going through the motions and, and never having a conviction about what we do. So that text I read to us just now, <coughs> Isaiah 30 verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you will be saved. In quietness and in trust will be your strength. And then there's this line after that, but you were unwilling. And friends, can I say this to us today? There is time. We all have time. This, it doesn't take hours and hours of sitting and, you know, rubbing our lobes and lotus position and raking our sand and lining up crystals. I'm not talking about weird Eastern meditation and that kind of stuff. What I'm talking about is taking time before God and just being still, being able to look at my life and bring it to him and say, Lord, I'm not going to run from these things. I want to bring them to you, put them at the foot of the cross. You've said all I have and all that I am belongs to you. And so I'm going to bring it to you and leave it at your feet. And so I'm not sure what your space is like today, but um, I'd love to pray for us. But it kind of in line with that as well. I'd, we're going to do something a little bit different this afternoon. At four o'clock, I've mentioned to you, might have heard that we're doing, a, we're doing preaching training. And talking to all our preachers and this afternoon one of the things we are talking about is meditation christian meditation true christian meditation and i'd like to throw it open to uh, whoever would like to join us i'll broadcast the message i'm not talking specifically to preachers today at all but maybe you don't know how to take a moment and it's one of the disciplines that we learned in our in our earlier christian life is how to take 10 minutes and just to be still before god and to how to allow him just to bring peace. The stuff that I've spoken about today, very, and it's got, so it's going to be super practical, have super practical handles around. It might be a bit weird for some people, but um, if you're someone who's just life on the treadmill and don't know how to switch off or just take a moment, please can I encourage you to come and join us at four o'clock today. 
um, I think it's going to be a really, really good time of just helping us understand what we need to do, some practical handles with that. But so what do we do with this sermon today? What do we do with the fact that wisdom comes from thoughtfulness and taking time before God? Well, I know that God invites us. This is the most beautiful thing. Just a, a sneak preview on one of the devotionals that are coming up this week. It's so beautiful. David is talking. He says, who may ascend the hill of God? Who may go up there? It's so hard. Sometimes it can be so hard. It can be so busy to try and reach God in the middle of my life. And then he has the sudden shift around. He goes, but hang on. Open up the gates. Who is at the gates? Open up these ancient doors. Who is there? It's the king of glory. And we forget the fact that in a sense, like we often think that we have to go up to be with Jesus. But Jesus is standing at the door of our hearts. And he's waiting to kick that door down and walk in and come and be with us and to bring that peace. The Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. That we're able to take this time rather than have to go find him. He closed the gap. That's the beauty of the gospel story. Jesus came to us. God saw us in our broken state and he chose to close the gap between God and man and come and meet with us. Such a beautiful story that of how he comes into our world. And so to take a bit of time, to take a bit of time in our lives to be able to say, Jesus... I'm inviting you in today. I'm inviting you in every part of my heart. Lord, I don't just want to, I'm not just trying to tick this as a box. I'm not trying to just tick my relationship with you off as a box. I'm wanting to invite you into my world. I want you to come and be with me. I want you to come and speak to me. I want to receive from you everything I need for my life. And as we do that, he begins to bring the peace that only he can bring.